With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you about Squarespace Courses. It has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. You can create engaging content your audience is going to love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace Courses. So just go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hello, everybody. It's your old pals, Josh and Chuck, and you will have the chance to see us live in person for the first time in two years, Friday, January 21st in San Francisco. Right, Chuck? That's right. We're returning to the stage at Sketchfest. We're very excited about it. We can't wait to see everyone. It is a Vax-only show. Bring your Vax card. It is a mask-only show. Bring that mask. Can't wait to see a third of your faces. That's right. You can get tickets at sfsketchfest.com. And again, Friday, January 21st, 7.30 p.m., Sydney Goldstein Theater in San Francisco, California. We will see you there. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Chuck Chuckaluck Bryant. This is going to be a good one, I can tell by your nickname, Chuck. And this is Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. The Palmcast. Oh, nice. Was that off the cuff or do you have it written on your nose? Uh, it was off the cuff. Wow. And that's probably about as funny as this one's going to get. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of room for jokes in here, but, but, Chuck, this is the topic that I didn't know I wanted to know more about. Oh, really? I had no idea when you when you uh, when you threw out palm trees palms. Mm-hmm. I genuinely was puzzled. I'm like, I have to know what what triggered that because that's not something that you're walking around. I live around palm trees all the time. They're all over the place, and I've never stopped and been like, we should do an episode on palm trees. So what what caused that? Uh, I thought I told you no. No. So the, and this is very true. Is I went to Los Angeles to go to a sales dinner. Uh-huh. As you know, right? Uh, and so they were bringing a bunch of new salespeople on board at iHeart, and mm-hmm. they had a dinner because mm-hmm. they had not met in person. And they said, "Hey, let's get a uh, let's get Chuck out here because we know Josh didn't want to go." Somebody <laughs> said, "What about Josh?" They're like, "No, no, no, just 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 Chuck." Believe me. No, I think they just didn't bother because you would have been like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to come say hi and stuff, and. Uh, we were, you know, sales people were picking my brain and being inquisitive and saying, how do you get your topics? How do you get your topics? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I literally, I said, you know, you just look at the world around you and they come to you. And I looked outside in Santa Monica and I said, like palm trees, that could be an episode. And they said, make it an episode. <laughs> that is a great ad sales impression, <laughs> by the way. No, none of them talk like that. In fact, it's the quite opposite. The ad sales people are very smooth. Oh, I'm guessing so. Yeah, I mean, they sell ads for Pete's sake. Yeah, so they they just said, wow, really? And I said, yeah, and in fact, I will do it, and I will dedicate this episode to ad sales. 
<laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this is the episode that everybody wants to hear. The episode on palm trees dedicated to ad sales. That's right. Well, no, they do a great job and they keep the show nice and free for everybody. Oh, that's right, man. That is right. So hats off to the ad sales people. <laughs> this one's for you guys. But that is how it came about. It's just it's sort of an example of you just sort of look around sometimes. And I lived in L.A. for quite a few years, as you know, and I right. loved palm trees. I have a palm tree in my backyard. And I was like, wait a minute, there's a lot of different kinds. Mm-hmm. And I wish I knew more about them. And now I have a very uh, unfun <laughs> podcast episode to do. I, I don't know. It's fun in that it's super science-y and there's a lot to it. There's a lot of stuff that most people don't know. And we're going to impart it to them in a, a approachable manner, okay? Yeah, it, it wasn't as, like, exciting <clears throat> as I thought afterward. I was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, you know, what about poor Dave Ruse who helped us out with this one? I think Dave enjoys this stuff. Okay, I hope so. So we're talking palm trees, Charles. And did you know this? Let's start with this. There are more than 2,500 different species of palm trees. Did you know that when you were wandering around L.A.? No. I, I, I knew there were quite a few, but I thought, you know, dozens. Okay. Sit there. Please continue to sit. Mm-hmm. Did you know that palm trees are in no way, shape, or form? Actually, I should take that back. They are not actually trees as far as botanists are concerned? I definitely did not know that. Very nice. And then lastly, Chuck, well, that's it, really. Those are the two big (laughs) crazy facts. Palm trees are not trees, and that's a big one because if you look at a palm tree, you say, no, it's a tree. It's got bark. It's very tall, has leaves that kind of branch out from it. It's a a tree. Don't be ridiculous. And um, again, to a botanist, it's not a tree, and we're going to get very, very detailed into why it's not actually a tree. Um, but it helps if you to, to understand this, if you just step back and look at a palm tree, even the tallest, biggest palm trees, those ones along Hollywood Boulevard in that Morrissey video, okay. um, that those are giant plants and those aren't trunks. Those are stems. Yeah, That's, that is pretty cool. And a botanist will sell you that a. Uh, someone else not as hung up on the botany might say, well, you know what, they function as trees, so right. smarty. Yeah. Uh, so take that fact and and stick it where the sun don't shine. And then that's kind of the end of that conversation because they just got hostile. Well, no, somebody comes in and says, peas, peas, children. <laughs> right. Let's put it like this. It's a little of both. Palms are upright tree form plants. And everyone says, thank you. Happy International Tolerance Day, everybody. That's right. Uh, but palms are closer, categorically speaking, to uh, grasses and grains, like something like corn, mm-hmm. than it is that mighty oak. So again, it's just a tall, giant plant. Not a tree, a plant. And in fact, giant is a really good way to put it because a lot of the growth patterns that um, palms undertake are, are a form of gigantism. They're like plants on steroids, basically. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's a good. Well, that's yeah. some good groundwork for the whole thing, if you ask me. I think so. Uh, maybe we could start at angiosperms. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, there are about three hundred thousand of those bad boys, and these are flowering plants. And I think a lot of this stuff, people, it may ring a bell to like high school biology. Because when I was going through it, I was like, wait a minute, I learned about this many, many years ago. 
uh, and it's all kind of coming back to me. But um, angiosperms are those flowering plants that have the seeds encased in a fruit. Right. And it's the largest group in the plant kingdom. And within that, you've got monocots and dicots, and palms are monocots. And that's important because, I mean, you can't talk about palm trees without talking about the specificity of, like, how they grow and how they how they operate. Yeah, because therein, in those details, lies why they're not trees. Yeah. Why they're something else. Why they're basically gigantic plants. So, you said palm trees are monocots. Dicots are what we're used to when we look at a tree. Things like elm trees, beech, um, uh, maple trees. All of those are dicots, right? Um, and when you're looking at like a pine tree or uh, an evergreen, usually, that's a gymnosperm. That's like a, a completely different kind of uh, plant altogether. It doesn't have its um, seeds in a fruit. It bears its seeds on like the outside of like a cone or something. Totally different thing. We don't need to talk about gymnosperms again. Instead, we're talking about monocots and dicots, both angiosperms. Right. Uh, and if you've ever planted a little dicot seedling, the first thing you're going to notice when it when it pops up out of the ground mm-hmm. is you're going to have two, uh, I think it's called a cotyledon. Mm-hmm. Yeah? I think so, yeah. And you're going to see two of those. And it's very, you know, that's why it's called a dicot because there's two. A monocot, uh, like a palm, will only have one. Yeah, and a cotyledon is just the f- the first leaves that come out of a sprout. And so you've got two, and like you said, with the monocot, you've got one. That's a big difference, but that's surely not a big enough difference to be like, well, a palm is not even close to a tree. It's something totally different. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, it goes on, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. The differences continue. It does. If you look at a dicot leaf, if you take like a, a maple leaf or an oak tree leaf and you look at the back of it or at the front, but you can really get a good look at the back mm-hmm. or hold it up in the sun, you'll see the little web-like pattern of veins coming off from that central stem on a leaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's different on a dicot. On a monocot, it does not do that. They, they run parallel, uh, yeah, those lengthwise. little veins do. Sure. From, st- from like rear to tip, that's your vein right there. Just the tip. <laughs> There's also um, dicots have something called a, a cambium layer, and this is uh, this is really important to me. This is the big differentiator between a palm tree and a, a dicot tree, like a maple tree, right? Yeah. This is the big difference is that palm trees don't make wood, and dicot trees, like a maple tree, does, and it does that because it has what's called secondary growth where it has a bunch of cells, xylem and phloem cells, which are vascular tissues, and they line up in a circle, and they form a ring in this nice tight pattern, and they grow outward and outward and outward every year. So that if you cut a tree down and look at the stump that's left, you see rings, and those rings are annual growth of spring wood and autumn wood. But the upshot is is it's actually growing wood every year as the tree grows outward. It gains girth. And that is secondary growth. And the big distinction between monocots and dicots is that monocots don't have secondary growth. They don't grow like that. They don't grow outward. They grow upward. That's a huge distinction. Yeah, and this is where, you know, it can get a little uh, word parsy. Um, Monocots generally do not uh, have secondary growth. Palm trees do have a kind of secondary growth. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not real secondary growth. I think no. it's uh, what's the, what's the word for it? Uh, anomalous secondary growth is that the one? Yeah, anomalous secondary growth. So 
like every plant has primary growth. If, if you go and you shouldn't do this because it's uh, bad for the tree, but if you went and carved your name into a mighty oak, mm-hmm. it, that that's not going to grow up. That's not going to be 10 feet above your head in 30 years mm-hmm. because that tree's going outward. A palm tree, like you said, it grows from the top. So when you see a palm, you're going to generally see those palm fronds sticking out of the top of it. Mm-hmm. And if you say, yeah, but there's some underneath it too, those are just fronds that haven't fallen off yet on the way up. Right, exactly. So another way to put it is that palm trees grow up. They don't grow out. Right. But they do have girth Yeah, in some cases. <laughs> I know. Girth just the tip, growing wood. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, man. The ad sales people are blushing. I know. Who saw this coming? So, yeah, they do have girth, um, but they have girth for a totally different reason. And, and like, you, yeah, you can look at a palm tree and be like, yeah, it's huge. It's thick. It's, that's a trunk. But Some it, of them I, are really thick, too, at the bottom. Yeah. I think the biggest one gets to, like, three feet in diameter. That's a big old trunk. But the thing is, if you cut a palm tree down and you look down inside of it, you're not going to see neat pattern of tight rings of those xylem and phloem cells, they do have xylem and phloem cells because those are um, vascular cells. They carry water, minerals, sugars throughout the plant. So all, all plants and trees have xylem and phloem cells. But in a, in a, um, a monocot, like a palm tree, they grow just kind of willy-nilly and they grow upward. What gives the palm tree its girth is when those vascular cells themselves grow in size. So you yeah. got more vascular cells growing up through the plant, through the stem of the plant, which you think is a trunk, you have more of them, and then they increase in size. That actually increases the girth of the stem, but the stem itself is not growing outward. It's not lay, It's not adding layers of growth outward because that would be secondary growth, and, and monocots don't engage in secondary growth. That's right. And the other really cool thing about a palm is, is and one of the things that uh, separates monocots from dicots is that monocots don't have that central tap root. So if you uh, if a storm came along and pulled up a, a, a palm tree, you would see where basically where the well, I was about to call it a trunk. Uh, we'll probably call it a trunk here and there, but it is a stem where the stem meets the ground. If it's uprooted, you'll just see a just a spider web of smaller roots. It doesn't have this big one central tap root from which the other roots go. It comes straight from the base of that stem. That's right. And those are called, um, I think we'll get into it a little bit later, but it's called uh, amventitious root growth, right? Yeah, which is not super deep. I think the deepest you're going to find is maybe a few feet. Yeah, but, but they, they can really grow, go out. Yeah, like 50 feet out from from the trunk in either direction. It's... um. It's really something to see. But the problem is that also makes them often uh, susceptible to being blown over in hurricanes because they often grow along the coast. Yeah, and if you if it's a shallow, grounded area, you can a lot of times you can see a lot of that root system mm-hmm. sort of sitting level with the ground. It's neat. In some kinds, I think including um, king palms, maybe royal palms. Mm, those are nice. They look like uh, big fat cigars growing out of the bottom of the of the tree at the base. Yeah. It's pretty cool looking. Should so we you, take a break? Oh man, you just you <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. Chuck. I think that's a good uh, that's a good teaser for the first part. Yeah, I say we take a break and let the ad salespeople do their thing. Are they going to read the ads? We'll find out. Okay. Thank you. 
Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments. And if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care. Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy, but you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy. It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for. Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. That's right. It's hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Drivers panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides. And the best part, Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955. Car and Drivers Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want. Guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Visit ebaymotors.com for more. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So jump in, buckle up, and listen to Car and Drivers Into Cars. Available wherever you get podcasts. Hey everybody, it's time to talk about Squarespace. Squarespace has absolutely everything you could possibly need to build whatever website you're trying to. You can host video content and organize your entire video library, plus showcase it on beautiful video pages. You can use analytics to grow your business and learn where your site visits and sales are coming from. What else, Chuck? Well, buddy, if you got merch, then you can sell it on Squarespace. You can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream that engages your audience and scales your brand. Design your products and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. Yeah, and if your business is appointment-based, you can accept appointments on your Squarespace website. You can offer online or in-person private sessions, workshops, and group classes. And Squarespace provides everything you need to manage your schedule, accept secure payments, and send automatic reminders, all in a beautifully showcased site. So just go to squarespace.com slash stuff and you're going to get a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use our offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
Okay, Chuck, so it turns out the ad salespeople did not read the ads, but they That's did sell them, and we appreciate them for that. <laughs> so um, palms are actually super-duper old. Some of the oldest plant fossils we've turned up, and by we I mean you and me specifically, <laughs> are palm um, fronds that are upwards of 70 million years old. Um, but they think that they're actually much older than that because there's a theory that palms are found all over the world because they were growing on um, Gondwana, which is part of a supercontinent. After Pangaea started to break up, Gondwana was one of the big massive pieces of, of um, Earth uh, that started to break up between 180 and 145 million years ago. And they think the palms were like, goodbye, family, goodbye, as the as the land spread out and formed the continents as we know them today, and then started to do all sorts of weird stuff as they evolved in isolation from one another. That's right. Uh, and weird stuff meaning there can be tiny palms that are about, you know, five to eight inches tall. Mm-hmm. There is, and I encourage people to safely look up some of these because – it is pretty amazing to see the variety. Like when you look up the wax palm, yeah, uh, these are the ones I think generally found in South America that are so tall and skinny. I mean, you think the one, some of those in L.A. are tall and skinny. Yeah. Nothing compared to these wax palms where you look at them and they just seem to sort of defy gravity. And you wonder how are they not just snapping in half constantly with wind. It's uh, um, uh, anomalous secondary growth. <laughs> That's the answer. But those wax palms grow in the mountains, in the Andes. So if you climbed up one of them, I think they're up up to 200 feet tall, which is what, about 70 meters tall. Um, and you fell off the top, it, it'd get even worse because you'd also be falling off a mountain. So you don't want to climb a wax palm unless you're just a dummy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, those stems that we talked about, the what most people might call a trunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we said earlier, they do vary wildly. Some of them are very small, just a few millimeters. And then those, you know, I have different kinds that, I, that are my favorites, but one of my favorites are those really big, thick stemmed ones that are sort of low to the ground, very big around mm-hmm. and have a big, um, just sort of almost like a fireworks display of blooms. Like a palmetto? No, not a palmetto. Palmettos, I don't even think you can really see the, the trunk very much, can you? Those uh, are more shrubby. A saw palmetto, I think, yeah, I think they get tall after a while. They stay short, and then and then they achieve the correct girth, and then they grow longer. But, I mean, there's 2,500, so I'm sure there is a variety of something to suit your fancy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that one that grows only to be five inches tall and has a stem just a few, few millimeters thick, that one's called Dipsis minuta, um, and it's pretty cute that was not Just planned, by stop. the way. Really? Yeah. I don't buy that. I swear. <laughs> I will I will photocopy, I'll scan this page and send it to you, and you will not see it on there. Well, that's because Yumi is standing with a big cue card in front of you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's how I could get away with this, but you figured me out. Uh, I can't I, – I, I think the one that we have in our backyard is um, a windmill palm, mm-hmm. and – we planted it uh, when we first got to Atlanta. Emily worked as a producer on a TV commercial. And sometimes you, you might have noticed this a little bit with the TV show. Sometimes there's things that you get for a TV show or commercial or a movie that you can't return or do anything with. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the job, they'll be like, who wants this whatever that we can't do anything with? And Emily said, ooh, we would love that palm tree. Nice. Uh, and it was kind of small. And we planted it here in Atlanta. And it is 
really flourished. They are very easy to take care of. You know, really don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And they have managed to, uh, and this is kind of one of the points of how robust they can be, even though they generally grow in the tropical areas around the world. Uh, it, you know, this thing has had plenty of snow on it and plenty of hard freezes in Atlanta over the years, and it's just as healthy as can be. Yeah. Now, there's some palms that um, can thrive in Zone 5B, I saw, which is like South Nebraska and South Iowa. The needle palm does just fine there. So, yeah. yeah. Jersey Shore palms. That's a, yeah. It has like um, like bleached orange spikes rather than green fronds. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't written down either. I like that one. Um, but, yeah, it's just like 2,500-plus species, they're going to learn to adapt everywhere, and they've been around for hundreds of millions of years, so they've actually gotten pretty good at doing things like putting up with snow, which is surprising because, again, you kind of associate the the palms with, like, a a tropical rainforest, and for good reason, because they they are found a lot in tropical rainforests all throughout around, you know, right above and below the equator around the world. Um, Apparently in the Amazon, they make up 60% of all the trees that you'll find there. So they're pretty successful as far as, um, as far as plants go, gigantic plants. That's right. Uh, Should we talk a little bit about what, what makes up a palm tree? Mm -hmm. We've talked a little bit about it. You know, there are those roots that extend way, way out in a pretty shallow manner. Uh, there is that elongated stem, and one thing you'll notice when you're looking at a palm stem, uh, or if you want to go up and hug one of those guys, is sometimes you might get hurt. Uh, it is it doesn't have bark; it has the scars of of fronds that came before. Mm-hmm. And depending on what kind of tree that is, it could be it can be kind of smooth, but usually they're kind of rough, and sometimes they're they're really rough and kind of. Uh, pointy and spiky. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think people kind of trim those kind back a little bit, but um, I've all, I was also reading about over trimming them that you don't really want to um, you don't want to trim them too much, and you definitely don't want to trim any kind of palm frond that isn't totally brown and crusty musty, because if it's not, even if it's yellow, that means that there's still a bunch of nutrient stores in there just hanging out. And the palm is like, hey, you just used up, you just took a lot of my energy away. So um, you want them typically either fall off naturally, like they do, or wait until they're just so brown and desiccated that, that even you can tell. This this palm frond can be taken off without hurting the tree, but um, it's pretty obvious. It is pretty obvious. But what I thought was really interesting is is um, the idea that that's that's not bark. Those are just like leaf remains. The remains of basically yeah. where the leaf hit the tree at one time, and it looks if you if you look. Dave points this out, and I had never really put it into words before, but it's exactly true. It looks like the the palm fronds have been moving down the base of the tree, forming this mm. trunk all the way down, or forming the uh, bark all the way down. But mm-hmm. really, the stem has been growing up and out of each leaf scar that's left behind that forms what looks like the bark. So it's almost like an optical illusion a palm tree is. Yeah, I kind of get what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. Like, have you, ever, have you ever driven next to a car and the wheels are spinning so fast that they start to look like they're, they're spinning backwards much more slowly? Yeah. I think it's akin to that. Do you know what I thought you were going to say? Is that thing where you, uh, where the car next to you, you see out of your peripheral vision, starts to move mm-hmm. and you think you're rolling forward? 
and you oh, freak, yeah. out a, oh, yeah. freak out a little bit and go, oh my God. Yeah, that's even better. I like that one even more. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with palm trees. No, it does because they're all optical illusions. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, should we talk a bit about, well, we talked about how they grow. They grow from the top. When those, when those leaves pop out of the top, it's, yes. it's called a spear. Yeah. And it pops out of what's called the apical meristem or the apical meristem. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that's, uh, you know, if, if a tree, if it were a dicot, that's where the wood would be growing from. But it's not. It depends. So, so they both have apical meristems from what I can tell. But the tree has a lateral meristem as well. And that's where that girth around the, the, the sides grows to make it the, wider. Yeah, the woody girth. But the thing, the, another thing that differentiates, um, <laughs> another thing that differentiates the uh, palm tree from a dicot tree is that a dicot tree has a bunch of different places where it has an apical meristem. And those we call branches, the place yeah. where branches grow off. So an apical meristem is wherever primary growth, which is upright um, vertical growth of a plant, comes from. Mm -hmm. Like a maple tree has a bunch of them. Those are the branches and then eventually like smaller branches and even into the leaves. That's all apical meristem growth. A palm tree has one place, aside from the roots, one place on the entire plant where it is growing. Everything else is already grown, gone, left a scar behind. Um, um, Or it even looks like it's growing, but it's it's already grown and it's just sitting there photosynthesizing like a big old palm frond. But right in the middle of the top of the plant is the apical meristem, and that's where those new leaves shoot out from. And that's where the xylem and phloem divide and that growth occurs. And that's it. There's the one spot, and that's it for the palm. Yeah, and if you if you have a palm near you and it's low enough to see the top of it pretty well, you will see many times among all those beautiful green fronds, um, sometimes like big windmill fans, mm-hmm. you'll see that little spiky thing sticking kind of straight up. Mm-hmm. And that's called the spear, and it will unfold into the frond, and it will, it will become a beautiful frond at one point. It's almost like a, uh, uh, so it's almost like a caterpillar. Becoming yeah. a beautiful butterfly. Yeah. Except as a leaf. Except as a leaf. And if you've ever seen the um, palms that have, you know, we, we talked about the stem, uh, how it's just sort of that rough scar all the way up. Sometimes you'll see them that have a really smooth mm-hmm. green part that kind of looks like, uh, and we'll get to coconuts, kind of looks like the very outside mm-hmm. of a, a big coconut. Mm-hmm. That's called the crown shaft. Uh, the king palm is famous for these, and that's that little smooth green section between where the trunk is rough and where the leaves pop out of the top. Right, and all those are are the like layered leaves folded around the top of the stem, and as they as those leaves unfold and become fronds and hang out and photosynthesize, and then the energy stores that they have is used up and they fall off. Those kinds of um, palms they fall off very cleanly. So compared to other rougher. Um, rougher exterior palms, like a king palm is very smooth, even below the crown shaft where it's kind of gray and layered mm-hmm. in horizontal stripes. That's, But those are still scars left from the leaves that used to be attached there that unfolded at the crown shaft and grew and lived and died and then fell off. There's so many weird sexual innuendos with palm trees. Yeah. Never I had no that. idea. No idea. It explains a lot about how I felt about palm trees for a long time. <laughs> I had no well, idea why. It probably doesn't hurt that we're we're twelve years old as well. <laughs> right. 
Because <laughs> there are plenty of people out there like, what are they even talking about? Yeah, that's true. Those are eight years old. Right. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about these palm fronds or the palm leaves. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a few different kind of shapes they can take. Uh, there's the feather-like uh, pinnate. Uh, if you see a coconut palm, this is what you're going to see. It has a couple of rows of those of those leaves kind of sprawling out from that central rib down mm -hmm. the middle. Mm -hmm. and that rib is called a rachis. Mm -hmm. And where it meets, and this is a lot of sort of, you know, technical talk here. But the thick part where it actually meets the trunk, that's called the petiole. Yeah, where the ratchet meets the trunk, right? That's right. And then those leaves are all individual. They're disconnected. The only place where they join is at that rack, is at that central rib. Um, but other than that, they're not connected, which makes them different from a palmate um, type of frog. I have. Those are good. Those are, those are really good. I think palmate might be my favorite, where they're— they're, they seem disconnected, but if you follow them back to their terminal point where they connect to the branch, you'll see that they're all connected at one central point, and they're kind of fanned out almost in a circle or semicircle, radiating away from that one central point where they're all connected. Um, and that's, that central point is called the hastula. So that's palmate. That's another good one. And then there's costa palmate, right? Yeah, the costa palmate is, is a little bit of both. If you like a little pinnate, you mm -hmm. like a little palmate, mm -hmm. then you get your costa palmate. Uh, that is the fan shape as well, and it is attached to a central rib called a costa, mm -hmm. and that it's, extends from that petiole into that leaf blade. Uh, you know, when it's, it's interesting when these things fall off those those fan shaped ones, and you gather them off the ground, you really get a sense of their potential uses. Which you know we'll talk about that stuff a, a little bit later, but like primitive uses as a fan or as a broom or, mm -hmm. you know, there are all kinds of things when you have a big handful of those, those dead palm fronds, you can see even, you know, here in modern times, like I could see how this could be useful. Yeah. Just think about how much thought the writers of Gilligan's Island put into that. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't watch that show anymore. How about you? I haven't tried it in a long time. It, why, why not? I think it just ran its course in my brain. It was great when I was, you know, a younger person. Now I'm like, this is, I can't watch this. Yeah, I had a recurring dream when I was a kid. <laughs> the first recurring dream I remember had to do with Gilligan's Island, but it was mm -hmm. scary. Like the boat was washed ashore on the beach. And I remember I was in the back kind of hiding uh, from somebody who was trying to get me or something. But I had that dream over and over for a while. So wait a minute. Somebody was trying to get you while you were in the ship that was being shipwrecked? No, it had already been shipwrecked, oh, and it gotcha. was just like a you know a, a shipwrecked boat on shore mm. that I was hiding in like behind a back seat. Did you ever figure out who it was? No. You know, I don't think I've ever had a recurring dream. All of my dreams are all original really? material every time. Huh, that's interesting. I think so too. Did you have imaginary friends? N no. No. No, they seem silly and superfluous to me. <laughs> Someone just the only reason I thought of that is because uh, someone sent that in as a as a request mm -hmm. and saying that uh, imaginary friends is is a sign of later successes in various ways supposedly. Well, that explains a lot as well. No, but look at you now. I know, but think about how successful I could be if I had had <laughs> imaginary friends. I could be president of the world. My daughter has what she calls ghost friends and always has. And now ghost parents, and we wonder sometimes if that is something to do with being adopted. Oh, yeah. 
Or if it's just the regular old imaginary friend thing with kids. Or your house is haunted and she can see things you can't. Or that. That's number three. It'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, she's, a- <laughs> she's spelling it out for you, Chuck, right there. All right. Uh, should we take another break? Sure. All right. We'll talk about those uh, not-so-beautiful palm flowers right after this. Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments. And if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care. Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy? But you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy. It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for. Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. That's right. It's hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Driver's panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides. And the best part, Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955. Car and Driver's Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors, all the parts you need at the prices you want guaranteed to fit your ride every time visit ebaymotors.com for more eligible items only exclusions apply so jump in buckle up and listen to car and drivers into cars available wherever you get podcasts hey everybody did you know that boricua is the name for someone from puerto rico but it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by our friends at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, where trailblazing runs in the family. That's right. From introducing a generation to the glory of hops with their iconic pale ale to taking hazy IPAs nationwide with Hazy Little Thing, one of my favorite beers, it's an adventurous spirit that you can taste in every sip. Yeah. 
What started in a homebrew shop is now one of America's top craft breweries, known for leading the industry in sustainability. And Sierra Nevada is still family-owned, with a passion for innovation and doing things right. So find your next favorite beer wherever fine beverages are sold, from the original and always boldly hoppy pale ale to the juicy, fruit-forward, hazy little thing. With new brews for every season, there's always something to discover. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. Visit SierraNevada.com today to taste the difference. All right. If you've ever walked past a palm tree and you've seen a what looks like a blob <laughs> of yellow... Uh, or orange. Orange is a big one. Yeah. I mean, what do they even look like? They look like just little tiny grape bunches, but yeah. but not really. They're not very attractive to me, but uh, I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Those are palm, the flower of the palm tree. So one thing I have to say, though, is, Chuck, you, you would probably have your eyes open if you spend a little time on Google Images looking at different palm inflorescences. Some of them are okay. Yeah, there's some that are just straight-up dazzling. I saw one that was, like, a nice pink, and it looked like a really tight— like, you know, sometimes people have, like, dreadlocks that are have been around so long they actually merged into one big dread. Sure. It looks like that, but like, like a hot tail? pinkish purple. Yes, mm-hmm. but a hot pinkish purple version of that. It's very pretty. Um, and again, there's like 2,500 or more species of palms, so there's a lot of different variety. But that said, I agree with you. Most of the palm inflorescences, inflorescences I've ever seen are not pretty at all. I think what my problem is is I feel like it disturbs even the pretty ones. It doesn't jibe with the rest of the look. Yeah. So it looks like like a really attractive person wearing maybe a, a really nice hat, but that doesn't go with the rest of the outfit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I totally get your meaning, and I think you nailed it. It just doesn't seem to fit in. But you keep calling them inflorescences instead of flowers. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, an inflorescence is just another name for a palm flower. And That's right. A palm is a, it's an angiosperm, which is by definition a flowering plant. It just doesn't look like what you and I would think of as flowers, but that's exactly what it is. And with the palm, from what I can tell, everything is a frond. It's some sort, some version of a frond, and the inflorescence is no, no exception. It's a specialized weirdo version of the of the palm frond that grows out. And depending on the kind of palm, it's going to have either male flowers, female flowers, or it's going to have male and female flowers, in which case it's self-pollinating. And the upshot of all this is, is when the female flowers get pollinated, they will produce fruit. And because we're talking about 2,500 different species of palms, you get a lot of different kinds of fruit that come along. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, actually. Like, if you look at your standard coconut palm, that has both the male and female parts, so that makes it monoecious. Uh, this is stuff that we learned in high school biology again. Haven't seen that word in so long. I know. I even was calling it monoecious for a while. I was like, I know that's not right. That's I what I was calling I just can't remember. <laughs> no, it's monoecious and dioecious. Those O's are silent. And uh, dioecious palms only have male flowers or female flowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, depending on the fruit, you know, if you're a, if you're a coconut palm, uh, then you're going to have both 
but uh, you got to fertilize that that female flower. If you're a date palm, uh, it's dioecious, so you can only harvest from the female tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need to have both again to fertilize, right? And get that delicious bad date. <laughs> but that is dates are actually a fruit from palms from uh, appropriately enough date palms. I didn't know that. I didn't either. And dates are delicious. And this um, researching this made me want this. But I, if I had to choose, I'm a fig person for sure. Are figs from a palm? No. No. Fig tree. Yeah. But there's like, you know, dried fruit, uh, oh, okay. dates and, and figs. They're so, they're so you know, uh, they seem to go hand in hand. So I don't think you have to choose, which is, is just a stupid thing to even bring up. I'm sorry I did. Well, I don't know that I've ever had... In fact, I can almost say certainly I've never had a fresh date. Like right off of a tree, you mean? Yeah, like the, you know, not dried, mm-hmm. not like raisins or fig style, but mm-hmm. you know, like in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the bad date. Those are big bad juicy dates. dates. Bad dates. <laughs> That's right. That poor monkey. I mean, it was an evil monkey, but I think he was trained to be evil. Oh, you think? With the Nazi salute? Yes. I don't think he was born knowing how to do that. I think he was trained to do that, and it made him a no. bad, bad monkey. But I still don't think he deserved to be poisoned by bad dates. You know, that movie is uh, has been under fire in recent years because of the the nature of Indy's relationship with, uh, Marilyn? with Marion and how oh, old Marion. she was. Oh, yeah, and he's also, like, fairly rough with her as well. Yeah, but there's those there's this lines at the beginning where he talks about you know, you know what you were doing, you know, I was a child or whatever. And I think for many years, everyone's just like, yeah, whatever. And then someone's like, wait a minute, how much of a child was she? Right. And I think people have tried to do the math over the years to work it out. So with the time period where it wasn't that bad, Mm -hmm. but I do know that in discuss, and this is something I talked on movie crush a little bit about, but Lucas and Spielberg, when they were discussing it all at the beginning, one of them was pushing at the time for him to, to make it like, creepy like no man let's make her really young and make it really kind of a bad thing that he did was it george lucas doing that i think it might have been Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know i should look all this stuff up so i'm not you know i'm glad spielberg was like yeah yeah great idea great idea we'll definitely we'll workshop that later right (laughs) uh anyway bad dates bad dates and um dates by the way chuck are droops as are Mm. all palm fruits did you know that I didn't know that, uh, but I did know that they were similar to peaches and olives. Mm-hmm. And cream. Uh, in the, say what? Peaches and cream. Yeah, peaches and cream in, in the way that they uh, they have that hard outer, that kind of stony-like covering around the seed. Right, but they're usually also covered with some sort of flesh that we like to eat. Um, that's not always the case. So I think coconuts are the reverse of that. So like if you're eating like um, a peach— Mm-hmm. The the seed itself is that hard is inside the hard pit in the fruit. Right, the that coconut, is not the seed. Yeah. No, a coconut is the opposite of that. It's got that hard woody outer shell. Mm-hmm. You can knock 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 on just and have some fun with the before exocarp. you. It's exactly right, Chuck. Nice. Um, that you're um, actually no, that's the endocarp, the hardest part that you knock on. The exocarp oh, I thought is you were that talking about the hard green outermost layer. No, that would be the exocarp. The yeah. endocarp is the hard brown woody one that that you can knock on. Yeah, yeah. And then you can play in, bol- that you can use as a bowling ball on it, Gilligan's Island. Exactly, or like a tiki cocktail cup. Right. Uh, all again on Gilligan's Island, um, and the, uh, it's the stuff inside 
that that's the actual seed, and that's what we eat in the coconut. The the endosperm and the um, liquid endosperm, um, the stuff you eat from a coconut, that's actually like the seed that you're eating. Whereas like a peach, you're eating the outside, uh, the meat that's outside of the uh, sh- of the seed. Right, and that endosperm is the 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 solid part is that flesh, that white deliciousness, coconut meat. And then the coconut water is the liquid into sperm. So mm-hmm. if you, next time your friend is having a coconut water, just go up to them and say, enjoy the liquid endosperm. <laughs> and they'll say, what are you talking about? You can't they'll, say stuff like that out they'll loud. Do, they'll do a spit take. <laughs> I hope not because that coconut water is delicious. It is and expensive too. And if yeah. you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought coconut water was coconut milk. You are wrong, wrong, wrong. No. Coconut milk is taking coconut meat, grating it up into a paste, and then adding water to that. That's, that's coconut milk. That's delicious too. It is. It's super high in fat, but they're really healthy fats, uh, yeah. I understand. That's a good fat, and it. Um, I'm not a big sort of Caribbean drink cocktail guy. but Oh, you don't like the tinky drinks? No, I'm not really into them. They're just a little too sweet. I mean, maybe one of oh, them. but. sure. Uh, they're a little sweet for me, but that that coconut milk man with some with some rum is a really nice combination. Mm. You know, people have been drinking that for eons for good reason. They sure have. You know what else they've been drinking even longer than that, Chuck? A little liquid some, endosperm. A little something called palm wine. Oh yeah. So I didn't know that this existed, but it sounds awesome. But you, there are a lot of different kinds of palm species that you can tap, including I think. Yeah, coconut palms and date palms and uh, the Chilean wine palm, which they were like, well, yeah, of course. But you can tap the sap of these things Mm -hmm. and what comes out contacts the air and just a little bit amount of like microbes in the air that come in contact with this stuff immediately cause it to start to ferment. And within hours, it has gone from palm sap to an alcoholic beverage, and then hours after that, within about a day or so of it being tapped, it turns into vinegar. So you have to drink this stuff, which turns into like a 4% alcoholic drink, just by sitting out in the air a few hours after it's tapped, within a day of tapping it. Yeah, which is why it is one of the oldest boozes, Mm -hmm. because you could get it quickly and pretty naturally. Yeah, you didn't have to do anything for it, and apparently they've caught monkeys actually drinking it too. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it, they. I think they found evidence that of humans drinking it as far back as eighteen thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a very long time, um, and that because they've caught um, like primates, other primates drinking it, it's possible that it it goes even further back in our evolutionary history. Very interesting. I thought so too. Uh, there's also palm oil mm-hmm. uh, that is in food products. It's in a lot of um, skin products. It is uh, sort of an environmental disaster these days. Yeah, man. Uh, there are plantations in uh, Indonesia and Malaysia where you basically you just clear-cut forest to plant more palms to get palm oil. And getting, um, quote-unquote, sustainably sourced palm oil is difficult to impossible for your products. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some people that say there is no such thing and that if something is labeled officially sustainable – they're like, well, no, just go back 15 or 20 years, and there was once natural forest growth there, too. So it's kind of a meaningless title right. when just a handful of years have to go by before you say, oh, no, 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 this this palm field was here already. Right. 
Like, uh, from what I understand, that's just not the case. Yeah, that was one of those things where I looked into it. I was like, oh, good, another reason to to, um, be pessimistic and lose hope. (laughs) Uh, There's the acai, those little acai berries. I didn't know they came from palms. Is it acai? I thought it was acai. Oh, I've always said acai, but it's probably acai. I just have never said it out loud. (laughs) So, it's like supposed to be a superfood rich in antioxidants. And I was like, that rings a bell. We did an episode on antioxidants. Did Did we surmise that it's BS? And I went back and I read a transcript of it, and um, it, it may be. So take that uh, however you like. But it definitely does have all sorts of antioxidants, including anthocyanins, because that's where it has its purple color from. The acai acai does? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it really acai? I feel foolish. Acai. I've never heard it said. Well, now you have. From your and- good pal, Josh. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said it out loud until now in front of millions of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's no biggie. Yeah. Uh, you got the Hearts of Palm, of course, that you'll find uh, usually in a can mm-hmm. on a shelf in your grocery store. That's the, uh, that's the apical meristem, Chuck. That is. I was just about to say that. And it is oh, right there at the core. You get them in Hawaii and Costa Rica or some places in South America. And you chop that thing down. And it's got that little that little tender core, and the reason it's usually in a can is because it doesn't last very long. Yes, uh, so it's pickled, typically, right? Yeah. Um, what about uh, betel nuts? Did you know about those before? Because I had heard of them, but I had no idea what the deal was. I knew I knew about them because I know that chewing them, which is popular in certain Asian countries, is can be really bad for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can make your teeth like red and black and give you cancer, but it's a stimulant, right? Yeah, it gives you a pretty good butt, so it all works out in the end. <laughs> Does it really? Something like 20% of the people in the world chew betel nuts, and it, that makes it the fourth most used um, psychoactive um, material, I guess, or substance after um, nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, and then betel nuts. Uh, what about rattan? If you've ever been to Pier One Imports and sat in a <laughs> in a wicker, uh, what are those things called? The big bowl? Oh, a papasan chair. A papasan that is made from palm rattan, mm-hmm. uh, from rattan palms, and well, it's very hardy. And you know how I mentioned that those fronds are very useful. Like this is the stuff over mm-hmm. the years that they use fronds fronds for for rooftops and rattan to make really strong furniture. Very useful. Yeah, I had no idea, but rattan has really wicked, mean barbs and thorns sticking off of it because it uses it to climb up other trees. Um, And the stem is really pliable. It's not, you know, upright, but it grows vertically, but it's like a vine. And apparently the stem can get up to like 500 feet long. It's a lot of, it's a lot of pure one wicker. A lot of wicker. What was the name of that chair? Do you remember the chair that they would sit in for prom pictures in the 70s? You look the the uh, Isaac Hayes mm-hmm. Black Moses chair. Yes, yeah, exactly. I don't know. There's it's a like name a, for a, it. A, a, a throne, sort of like exactly a rattan throne. That's exactly right. That's a Very heck of cool. a chair too. So I guess we could finish up with a couple of little fun facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, Dave included a few of these. The double coconut palm has. Uh, I don't know if it's the largest seed. Is it the largest one in the world? Yes. Okay. Uh, a mature coconut from that double coconut palm can weigh about 90 pounds, and the seed inside is about 55. And Dave said uh, something about uh, the way they look. 
I can't remember exactly how he put it. Suggestive. Suggestive. And I looked it up and it looks like a butt. Oh, that's not what it suggested to me. I thought it looked like a butt and and an anus. Okay. Did you think it looked like female parts? No. Just but just come around to the other side of a dude. Oh, you thought it looked like a a scrotal sack? Yes. Yeah. Well okay. put. I thought it looked like a butt in a butthole. <laughs> no, it looked like. I mean, I could see how you would think that, but it looked like a scrotal sack to me. I thought that was the avocado. That's that's yes yeah, for sure. Avocado's got it going on too. <laughs> Man, I've got one more you, fact. What else? What else do you have? Nothing. I want to hear your last fact. Well, I think it'd be kind of fun to just talk about what happened in Florida with all those palms. Oh yeah, I'd love to do that. This is a good one. This uh, the reason Florida has so many palms is because of a shipwreck in January of 1878. Uh, the Spanish uh, brigantine, the Providencia, mm-hmm. crash landed with a bunch of coconuts on board. Yeah, coconuts and a bunch of other stuff, but there were like 20,000 coconuts. And a guy named uh, William Lanehart, who was one of the early pioneers along this, this um, like, uh, settlers of European descent, I should say, along yeah. this stretch of Florida Beach where this, this shipwreck happened, bought the whole um, shipwreck and all of its cargo for like $20. <laughs> and proceeded to try to sell the coconuts for, what was it, like two cents each or a half a yeah, cent? Yeah, two, two and a half cents, and he okay. only sold about a 1,000 of the 20,000. But still, it's like a couple hundred bucks. He like, you know. Oh, sure. Made his money back. Yeah, 10 times over. And then yeah. he said, I think I'm just going to plant the rest of these. I think it'd be easier than trying to f- drum up a market for these things. And that's it. That's where Palm Beach is now. Yeah. The, the, all of the coconut um, palms that you see there are not native. They are descended from that original shipwreck uh, cargo of coconuts. Very, very cool. It is. Very cool indeed. And also, Chuck, they mentioned Henry Flagler in there is founding Palm Beach and West Palm Beach. Oh, yeah. And he, if Flagler you, College. That's right. And Flagler mm-hmm. County. He was like an old Ford executive who made his money. Uh, well, from working at Ford early on and then started like a railroad and then started like founded Palm Beach and was just fabulously wealthy. But, um, you know, I know we've talked about going to Providence, Rhode Island and uh, touring some of those old Gilded Age mansions. He has one in Palm Beach. So if you ever make your way down to Palm Beach, go see the Flagler House Museum. It's one of the most amazing houses you will ever walk in in your entire life. It's astounding. I will check that out. My uh, bestie friend from high school, mm-hmm. uh, Rad, the uh, map drawer, the cartographer. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. He went to Flagler. So I went to, and this was in St. Augustine, though, but um, I went to Flagler a couple of times, and St. Augustine is a lovely town. Well, just make your your way a little further south, a couple yeah. hours down to Palm Beach, and check out Flagler's house. I'll do it. Okay. Uh, well, since Chuck said I'll do it, that means, of course, everybody, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this Josh and the Simpsons. I'm sure you saw this. Mm-hmm. Figured we could just answer this on the air. So I think uh, I know the answer. I was worried about this. Hey, guys, uh, that we were going to read it. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Hey, guys, just listen to the hot dog episode. I was a little surprised that Josh let the whole episode go by mm-hmm. without citing Homer's famous line about hot dogs from the episode where he tries to get into the grease business. Uh, then I realized this is a phenomenon I've noticed several times. Mm-hmm. Like Josh, I'm a Simpsons super fan, so I feel like I have to take issue with everyone who has written in to say, you missed this quote or citation. On the contrary, what's happening, I think, is Josh is biting his tongue 
and letting, I would guess, one to three opportunities pass by <laughs> per episode. Wow. <laughs> uh, because he doesn't want to be known primarily as that Simpsons dork and avoid owing royalties to Matt Groening. <laughs> Josh, please validate my hunch. That is from G. Thanks, G. You're not holding your tongue, are you? Occasionally, I do, actually. Oh, okay. Very, very rarely. I think G is giving me way too much credit, and at the risk of, of sounding like a fraudulent Simpsons fan, there are a ton of references that people will write in and be like, you walked right past this one, and I'll be like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't remember that one at all, or I totally forgot about it, didn't think about that. But every once in a while, I will hold it back because... You just have to keep the proportion of Simpsons fandom like at yeah. a at a certain threshold. Other okay. than that, stuff you should know is like it's stuff you should know. The Simpsons fans, we're more well rounded than that. So yes, okay. every Fair once enough. in a while, I do. But, but not that. three times an episode. No, okay. that's what I'm saying. That's a that's right. over crediting me for sure. All right, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Gene. If you want to be like G and ask a question or see if your hunch is confirmed, send it to us via email too. Stuff Podcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. With a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools, it's pre-seasoned and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees, and the Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System keeps cooking supplies handy. You can carry all the food, condiments, and utensils you need. So get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Hey friends, when someone says Amazon, do you think healthcare? Well, maybe you should. Amazon One Medical offers same-day appointments, and if somehow that's still not convenient enough, they have 24-7 virtual care. Not only that, there's also Amazon Pharmacy, so after your virtual care appointment, Amazon will deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in line with people who are sick with who knows what. It's a new era of healthcare. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com.